Bird Girl and the Man Who Followed the Sun, an Athabascan Indian legend from Alaska by Velma Wallace. Chapter 14, The Land of the Sun. Diago traveled more quickly in the months that followed. The land became less mountainous and he grew stronger as he walked. Following the water's edge for mile after mile, he encountered no people, only the ruins of many deserted villages lying among tree branches and pieces of splintered wood. He easily found food gathering mussels and clams and catching fish with wooden hooks the way the Tlingits had taught him. He shed his heavy clothes because the air was warm even after the sun went down at night. Nine months after leaving his band in the north, Dagu walked along a sandy beach looking out at this serene land. The breeze blew salty air in from the sea that stretched farther than his eyes could see. Seagulls and snipes squawked around him as he left his footprints in the smooth sand. He had found the land of the sun. Lying down in the sand, basking in the warm sunshine, Diago wondered whether he should continue his journey. Here the sun shone warmly overhead and the sea provided him with plenty to eat. Still Diago decided to move on. Still Diago decided to move on. This was a rich country, but something even better might be ahead. The urge to see what lay beyond the horizon still possessed him. Instead of following the route on his map, which led inland to the place where the other Gwich'in people had gone, Dagu decided to stay near the shores of the ocean. Walking along the beach one day, he suddenly realized how far away he was from his people. There was no one to help him if he became wounded or fell into danger. If he died here, only the birds and tiny sea creatures waiting to feast on his body would care. The old Gritchen teaching that people need each other to survive came into his mind. As he stood there thousands of miles from home, this lesson had real meaning for him for the first time. Deeply feeling his complete aloneness, Diago decided to spend just a few more days exploring this land. Then he would return to his people. Traveling further south, he found more coastline, beautiful landscapes of sea and sand. The seafood he ate kept him healthy and the brilliant sun warmed him, darkening his skin. The empty beaches became familiar to him and each day that passed made him more reluctant to leave. Month Months went by until finally there came a day when it was too hot. Sweating and uncomfortable, Diago longed for the land of snow and cold, remembering his people and wondering how they were. Consulting his map, he decided that he had gone far enough. Ahead of him, he could see mountains that would be difficult to cross, and he missed his people and his homeland. Admitting that his restlessness was gone, Diago decided to leave the next day to return to his people and tell them about the land of the sun. 
That night, as Diagu lay looking up at the sky, he heard someone crying. He listened intently. The crying stopped and then started again. It sounded like a woman in pain. Diagu followed the noise, relying on the stars to shed lights on the trees and shrubs as he walked past them in the darkness. Each time the crying stopped, he waited until it began again. Finally, he could tell that the woman was nearby. She must have sensed Diagu's presence because she became silent for a long time. Morning approached and Diagu napped as he quietly waited to hear her again. Instead, he was awakened by a baby crying. Surprised at how close it sounded, he peeked out from behind a shrub and saw a young woman with flowing black hair holding a newborn child in a swath of tanned deerskin. He wondered what to do, for obviously she had been in labor all night and had just given birth. He did not want to frighten her. Then the woman surprised Diagu by calling out sharply in a foreign tongue. Feeling guilty for spying on her, Diagu stood up. The girl gasped, and he held out his hands in peace, trying to make her understand that he would not harm her. She stared at him from under long lashes, then gestured for him to sit near her. The woman rocked the infant in her arms. Dagu returned her stare shyly. He had never seen a woman like her with hair so long and glistening and skin darkened by the sun. It felt good to see another human again. Yet as the woman continued to stare curiously at him, he felt himself becoming uncomfortable. The hot sun forced him to wear only a sheath of skin tied around his waist. His hair had grown long and he kept it in tight braids. How strange he must appear to this woman. Still looking him in the eye, she questioned him in her her language. He had left the map back at his camp, so he drew a map in the sand, gesturing and speaking in his Gwich'in tongue to describe his far away homeland. He talked about how long the journey had taken, drawing a moon and pointing to the sky, then to places on the map, then to himself, then to the place where he sat. The woman listened carefully, her eyes opened wide. She wanted to ask more questions, but knew that he would not understand her. Weary from having given birth, she motioned for Diagu to come closer, then handed him the infant and lay down on the ground to sleep. Diagu was surprised to find himself caring for the newborn. The woman awoke briefly to feed her child and slept again. It was late in the afternoon before she finally stirred. Diagu gestured that he was leaving to find food and gave her back the child. He walked away, tempted to keep going, but something inside him would not allow him to abandon this woman. Instead, he caught a fish, returned to his camp to gather his possessions, and rejoined the woman whom he found feeding her child. Building a rack out of sticks and placing over the fire, Diagu cooked the fish as the woman watched. The two strangers ate in silence. Later, she motioned for him to sleep on the ground nearby. In the days that followed, Diagu continued to bring food for them to share. The woman smiled each time he returned. 
As she regained her strength, the woman fell into the habit of cooking for him. Soon, Diagu found himself watching the infant when the woman left to forage for edible plants. She learned to call him by his name, saying, Diagu, with only a hint of accent. Diagu, however, could not pronounce her name correctly, so he called her Sunshine in his own language. When he was not foraging for food and she was not busy breastfeeding her baby, Diagu used gestures to ask Sunshine where her people were, but she would not answer. Each time he asked, she sadly looked away. One day, waiting for Sunshine to return, Diagu sat cuddling and talking to the baby, who cooed softly. This was a language Diagu understood. Then he heard a large animal approaching. He almost dropped the baby when he looked back to see Sunshine sitting high on the back of an animal that looked like a moose. For a moment, Diagu wanted to turn and run, but curiosity made him sit still. The animal whinnied loudly and lifted its two two front feet off the ground. Diagu expected Sunshine to fall off, but she held on to the animal's mane. She smiled encouragingly, and Diagu decided she must be a medicine woman able to control animals. He moved toward the creature, then stepped back when it snorted at him. So the woman took Diagu by the hand, showing him how to touch the magnificent beast. A thrill ran down Diagu's spine as he moved his hands over its smooth brown hair. He asked questions in his language and Sunshine answered in hers. Neither understood the other's words, but as they shared their excitement, it did not matter. Together they traveled inland on the back of the animal. There the two discovered a cave where they made a home. They hunted for deer and small animals and Diagu helped Sunshine tan the skins and dry the meat. He realized that she he realized that he had never made a conscious decision to stay with this woman and help care for her, her child. Yet he did not leave. At the same time, Sunshine felt that she was helping this man from a faraway land by teaching him and hunting with him. What Diagu was doing here she could not fully understand. Perhaps he was lost or had been forced to leave his home. She took pity on him, allowing him to stay and help with her child. They needed each other for survival. As time passed, these two people, thrown together by accident, became familiar with one another. Although they still could not understand each other except by hand gestures, they hunted and foraged well together. Dagu spent his free time learning to ride the horse. Sunshine was a patient teacher showing him how to get on and off, how to make it go forward and turn. Many times her face would brighten into a huge smile when Diagu struggled to mount the animal and fell off. But she did not laugh for fear of embarrassing him. Gradually mastering the skill, Diagu learned to ride the horse slowly around the camp. Each morning he woke early, determined to do better. In time, he could race it along the shores of the ocean, his hair blowing back in complete freedom. 
When he rode the when he rode the animal, Diagu was as happy as he had ever imagined he could be. Days passed swiftly, and before they knew it, a year had gone by. Communication was still slow between them, but little by little, Diagu and Sunshine began to understand each other's languages. The infant grew into a sturdy boy whom Diagu called Dienji Tassal, which meant little man. Sunshine accepted his name, accepted this name for her son, understanding that a name in her language would be hard for Diagu to pronounce. Many times he stumbled over the words that she tried to teach him. As he grew up, Dienji Tassal learned to learned both languages and was able to help his mother and Diagu talk to each other. A curious boy, Denji Tassal, asked Diago many questions about his faraway homeland. As Diago once had struggled to imagine the land of the sun, Denji Tassal could hardly believe that a land of snow existed far to the north. Ice and snow are very cold, Diago said. You have to wear animal skins and furs to keep warm. It's not like this land of the sun, where you only wear a sheath of skin and moccasins. Sunshine watched her son laughing and talking with Diago. She now understood that Diago had left his people simply because he wanted to find the land of the sun. She could not imagine the harsh land he described as his home. How could anyone survive in a place where the warmth of summer lasted only three months? She did not think she could live in such a country. In answers to his questions, Sunshine explained to Diago why he had encountered no people as he walked south along the coastline. A few years before, a giant wave caused by a great trembling of the earth had destroyed the villages near the ocean. This land and all its beauty could be treacherous to those who lived on it, and many tribes had moved inland, preferring to live where the earth was quiet. Sunshine also told Dagu about her people, who lived near the coast many miles to the south. They were a strong, fiercely independent tribe with many enemies. Down through the centuries, bandits had been a constant threat to them, but her people had never surrendered. She described how a band of the marauders had captured her and how she had escaped in time to give birth to her son. She could never return to her tribe, for they would kill her child because it had been fathered by one of their enemies. She could not bear to lose Denji to Saul. Although he had once vowed never to have a family, now Dagu could not imagine not having one. He felt a happiness he had never known. Sunshine had been young when the bandits kidnapped her and their brutal mistreatment had left her with a deep fear and mistrust of men. Yet time can heal such wounds and she gradually became fond of Diagu, who was like a father to her son, teaching him how to ride the horse and how to fish. Each night he spun tales and legends about the land of snow until the little boy fell into a contented sleep. As Denji Tazal grew older, Diagu and Sunshine became even closer. One night they consummated their love for each other simply and quietly.
Months later, Sunshine told Dagu she was expecting another child. Although, the, although she had been raised to be strong, Diagu and Dingy Dasal watched Sunshine carefully, not wanting her to become overtired. When the time came for her to give birth, Sunshine said she had to go out alone. Diagu objected, but she assured him that this was the way of all women. Still, after she had gone, Diagu and Dingy Tassal worried about her. Late in the evening, long after Dingy Tassal had fallen asleep, Sunshine walked slowly back to their camp with a small bundle in her arms. Dagu rushed forward, his knees trembling. She smiled at him and handed him the bundle, and he peeked within the folds. There he saw his son, a small red creature squirming and gnawing on its knuckles. A, chi- a chill tingled through Dagu's spine, and he felt an overwhelming love for this child. Sunshine and Dagu named their son Chizen Tassal after Dagu's father, Dingy Tassal, was so proud to be an older brother, helping take care of the baby and teach him. The following years were good ones for Dagu as he watched his family grow. Sunshine gave birth to another boy, then a girl. With such a large family to feed, Dagu worked hard to learn the ways of this land and traveled far to look for food. One day, as Diagu scouted for game, he spotted animal tracks that resembled those of his horse. He followed the tracks until he smelled the smoke from a campfire. Tethering his own horse, he sneaked on foot toward the camp and hid behind a bush. From there, Diagu saw men whose hair and skin were dark like his, but they were dressed in finely woven fabrics and wore shoes unlike moccasins. Diagu hurried back to the camp to sell Sunshine what he had seen. A look of terror crossed her face. We must leave this place now, she said. These people will kill us if they find us. That day they moved closer to the ocean where Diagu hoped they would be safe. Along the beach, he trained his sons to catch ocean fish and gather clam, clams. But a short while later, when Dingy Tassal had turned 10 years old, Diagu saw more strangers in the area. He searched beyond the mountains for another place to make their home. Eventually, he found a secluded area where they could find plenty of food. But as he returned to his family camp, he trembled at the sight of a plume of black smoke lifting into the clear sky. His heart filled with dread as he raced the horse forward. There, his worst fears came true. His family lay slaughtered and scattered across the ground. So full of life hours before, Sunshine lay in a heap, smoke rising from her burned body. The children had been killed with their knives and their small bodies bodies cut apart and strewn along the beach. Diagu fell hard on his knees, retching at the sand from the stench of his wife's burning flesh. When he could move again, he tried to touch Sunshine's body, but it still smoldered. Looking around, Diagu saw so many horse tracks leading south, and he was overcome with rage. He would find those cowards and avenge his family. There was no relief for Diagu's grief as he numbly gathered wood, building a great fire, cremated the bodies of his loved ones. 
Then he sat on the ground and wept. As he mourned, his memories took him back to the time when the three Gwich'in brothers had found their belongings of their sister, Bird Girl. Now he understood their despair in discovering she had been kidnapped. Diagu decided he did not care if the cowards who destroyed his family killed him also. Without his family, his life had no meaning. Putting his mourning aside, he followed the horse tracks until dark, then waited for sunrise. A wind arose, blowing the sand high into the air and making it impossible to see when daylight came. The the sandstorm lasted several days. When it passed, the tracks in the sand had been erased. Diagu feared that he would never find the man who had killed his family. As he stood wondering what to do, Diagu heard voices, and before he could find a hiding place, he was spotted by men approaching on horseback. They drew into a circle around him, and one man boldly asked Diagu questions in a language he did not understand. Suspecting that these men were his family murderers, Diagu held up his spear, prepared to do combat. The men were momentarily surprised, then began to laugh. Suddenly, something felt hard against Diagu's skull, and he saw only blackness. When he awoke, he found himself alone, lying on his back. He could not move. His hands and feet had been tied with raw hide to pegs divin driven deep into the ground. He struggled to break free, but the cords cut into his wrist. His head throbbed with pain. Diagu regretted not listening more closely to Sunshine when she had warned him of the dangerous bandits who roamed this land, destroying everything that stood in their path. He had never known men like these. They were vicious, not caring who they murdered. Even the Chikwai killed only their enemies. These men apparently killed for pleasure. He could only wonder about them as he waited for them to return and kill him. Hours turned into days and there was no sign of anyone. Diagu accepted that the bandits had left him to die of hunger and thirst. The sun which he had sought now beat mercilessly upon him. In a daze, Diagu saw large birds hovering in the sky. He did not recognize them, but there were similar predators in the cold north land. He knew that before long, the birds would begin to gnaw on his flesh. The bandits had chosen a slow, agonizing death for him. As he slipped into delirium, many visions flittered through Diagu's mind. He saw sunshine running past him, smiling. Straining weakly against his bonds, he tried to chase her, but she eluded him. His children played nearby, laughing and calling his name, but he shouted for them, To leave this place of bad men, they would not listen. His father looked at him in silence and his mother cried. Then the lost girl, the lost sister, Bird Girl, appeared. She wept for the dead children. 
Occasionally, a Diagua awoke to find that nothing had changed except that the birds now sat on the ground near him. He tried to show them he was still alive, but his body would not move. He cried out, but dryness parched his tongue and his swollen throat burned with pain. Exhausted, he fell back into more senseless dreams. Then he heard an angry voice. An old man was yelling at the birds and the birds were screaming and squawking back. Dagu tried to focus his eyes on the man, but his vision blurred and then he knew nothing.